2: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May podcast. And Awesome Ward. This is a big time, uh, big time podcast. This is Championship Week. This is when uh, forget about gold pants. Those are those are passe. As we found out in this COVID nineteen era of college football, it's the rings, man. The, the trophies in the rings, those are what matter most now for the Ohio State Buckeyes, correct?
2: That's right. Ring season, championship season, uh, it's certainly been a, a weird journey to get there, but uh, there will be some some sense of normalcy for the Buckeyes just to be back uh, in this position. Um, you know, there won't be fans in Indianapolis, which will obviously change things a little bit, but the stakes are high, and these are the games that they, they live to play uh, every single year, um, you know, Knock on wood that they get to Saturday, both teams ready to go.
1: Yeah, fourth straight year they're going to be playing in Indianapolis for a chance at the Big Ten Championship, going for four in a row. That's that's remarkable by any measure, yep. you know, whatever the era, whatever the circumstances. And these, of course, are the strangest because Ohio State went 5-0, and didn't get to play that coveted sixth game to qualify for the Big Ten Championship game. Yet when cooler heads prevailed, they looked and said, well, you know what? Ohio State beat the team that would be going. Uh, Ohio State's number four in the country. Let's go ahead and shove them in there, and they did. We talked about that all week last week. But Ohio State versus Northwestern—that's about right for this season,
2: isn't it? Yeah, I did not have Northwestern penciled in as and uh, those contenders out west. Go back and talk about our our preseason conversations, and it was, you know, can can Wisconsin be the flag bearer and set up a huge showdown? It, it, maybe Iowa, maybe Minnesota, if P.J. Fleck can keep things rolling before they wound up losing a ton of guys and a lot of talent and a lot of having other issues. Yeah. And I mean, really, you'd name almost everybody out west except Northwestern because they were so, uh, they were so bad last year. And that yeah. uh, 52-3 to beatdown in Evanston, you know, that still sticks in my mind. But, you know, they played good football when they had to. Um, the loss to Michigan State is pretty puzzling and troubling. Um, and I don't think it bodes well for Saturday against the Buckeyes, but, you know, they didn't they didn't stumble into this. They earned their way in.
1: Yeah, you know, we're going to get into all of that uh, real quickly uh, when I get back, including, you know, Pat Fitzgerald almost rooting for somebody in Ohio State to say something derogatory <laughs> about the Northwestern and its chances this coming week. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald, one of my favorite guys, man. I mean, I, a guy – you know he's what second only to Kirk Ferentz in longevity now in the Big Ten. He's a, he's not the president, but he's the dean. You know, let's put it that way of uh, Big Ten coaches, and you got to give it up to him. Northwestern does this, but when they do this, I mean it's a it's a pretty big deal at least in the Chicago area. Northwestern, Chicago's Big Ten team. But bottom line is they're in the game, uh, no matter how they got there. Some close wins earlier in the year, and then of course that puzzling loss uh, to Michigan State just when it looked like uh, Northwestern might go undefeated through the regular season. They come back and they clinch it, uh, the Big Ten West berth. Like you said, I mean, in this strangest of years, there's Northwestern versus Ohio State for the second time in three years playing for the Big Ten Championship, right?
2: I mean, I'll take it. As long yeah. as, let's get that game played. And, and you're right. I mean, through the ups and downs, I think Northwestern is is rewarded by the fact that they've they identified someone who wanted to be their coach, Pat Fitzgerald. As tough-minded as they come, he doesn't give up. But he does. He hasn't looked to escape to the NFL or other jobs that have been offered uh, just after one bad season or a recognition that they will not be annual contenders. He's built a program that, once every couple years, uh, can jump up and fight and, and contend. And you know, this is this is maybe not uh, the finest example of that compared to one for maybe a couple years ago. Um, but you know when you play a Northwestern team, that they're going to give you everything they've got, even if they're overmatched on paper. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I've got a special guest
1: again this week. We're going to shove him in here right now. Uh, Bill Bender, one of our one of our good friends on the on the college football beat, Sporting sportingnews sportingnews.com. Uh, he's uh, he's an astute observer of the scene. I introduce him with that. I want to record that every time when I have him on that way I don't have to. Be redundant and/or leave something out. Glowing about him, but what I love about him is number one, he's very conversational. Number two, he lives in Pickerington, or as he calls it, Picktown. Most people call it Picktown, and uh, you know I've known him for quite a few years now. You have too, but you know he he had a great observation over the weekend of, of the scenarios that could play out uh, through after championship uh, weekend is over. You know if there are upsets or if everything, if status quo is held. How that top four is gonna uh, is gonna play out? Who the matchups are going to be in the college football playoff semifinals a week from today, which we'll be talking about. Uh, but uh, let's get to that interview with him real quick, and I'll be back, and we're gonna just kind of uh, chop up this Ohio State Northwestern game in really small morsels. We won't we won't be right. We'll be very conservative with our words, right? Uh, right, Austin.
2: Always. Yeah.
1: Was I called you Austin there instead of Awesome? Because uh, I did want to call you Posture P today, but that's an inside joke nobody would get but me. But we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, with Awesome Ward after this little interview I had with Bill Bender. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? As promised, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back with one of my favorite people and uh, definitely one of my favorite guests, Bill Bender of the
0: Sporting News. Bill, welcome again to the Tim May Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, Tim, last time I was on here, I was accused of not brushing my hair by a good friend. So I'm all showered. I'm clean. I have sh- used shampoo and everything. So uh, hopefully I look good enough for this podcast. It's a high standard. I know you guys set over here.
1: Yeah, you know, uh. A friend of mine had a great saying about that. You know, when you get up in the morning, I'll leave out the bad first word. I'll just say it's poop, shower, shave, and shampoo.
0: Yep. <laughs> that's what we're doing. Well, I mean, you could say that's a description about this college football season in some ways. Yeah. Um, we're just trying to get through it one day at a time. I mean, we're down to the stretch run here. It's been – for me, it's been exciting. I'm sure for you, and you've done this for a number of years, I mean, have you ever been a part of a season like quite like this?
1: No. No, I mean, it's, uh, this is unique, uh, is one unto itself. And, uh, you know, what's really, definitely the fly in the ointment, without a doubt. And, and I don't agree with what Gabo Sweeney said, but I will agree with the idea that uh, the more games you play, the more jeopardy you put yourself in, <laughs> as uh, Florida found out the other night, and to, you're really comparing apples and oranges in terms of schedules this year, because everybody wants to just jump on the, well, since Penn State and Michigan have had such a tough year, the Big Ten is down, you know, all that. You Well, you don't know that. How do you know Indiana's not really good? I think Indiana's pretty darn good. I mean, their only loss is to Ohio State, which is number four in the country, right on down the line. And so all these arguments are popping up, as, as Urban Meyer said, you know, the look test. I hate that. I hate that, those two words. And I I agree with him 100%, the look test. but. That's all you got going for you this year. You agree with that, right?
0: Right. I mean, you can make the argument that Notre Dame and Clemson shouldn't play this week. It would be in their best interest not to play yeah. because then they would sit there with one loss each and, and be in the playoff. You could have made the argument last week that it was in the best interest for Alabama and Florida not to play. Yep. Florida got bit. You, know, you can go into the reasons why. And, you know, that Austin Powers meme got a lot of, run after the guy threw the shoe last week but um it it is and and that's why with Ohio State I thought even though they didn't play last week the Big Ten did what was in the best interest of the conference it was a business decision and I kept telling people Tim here was my thing with that whole deal I said okay let's let's say that Ohio State would have kept high or the Big Ten keeps Ohio State out of the Big Ten championship so you go into this weekend with Northwestern and Indiana playing in Indianapolis. Ohio State probably playing Iowa. Maybe it's in uh, Iowa City. Maybe it's in Columbus. And the Big Ten getting universally mocked on social media worse than anything else they've been mocked about this season. That's exactly yeah. what would have happened. So Kevin Warren yeah. did what was in best interest of the conference.
1: Well, and, and the other thing, the the other part of that equation, of that algorithm is the way I look at it, is Ohio State already had already beaten Indiana. so. Right. Ohio state clinched the big 10 East as I call it the big East the week before by beating Michigan state with one game left on its big East schedule. If you follow my drift. And so you could, you could clearly make the argument that Ohio state belongs in the big 10 championship game, except for this rule they threw in during this one weird stupid season we're dealing with right now. And uh, so, you know, Yeah, there are all kinds of ways you can look at it. Hey, before I get into what I want to ask you about, about the pairings, because I like the pairings that you guys played out. You played out on the sporting news over the weekend, uh, the possibilities, if A, then B, if B, then C, if A and B, then C, you know what I mean? The old logic uh, class from way back, Logic 101 or whatever it was. Is Alabama the best team in the country, in your opinion?
0: Yeah, right now, I I think, with the way they've played the last five weeks, it's hard to argue that, that they're not, I mean, averaging over 50 points per game, three Heisman candidates. It's kind of like Ohio state last year when they had three Heisman candidates. Um, you would, if you gave it to Devante Najee or Mac Jones, I probably wouldn't put up a fight with any one of those guys, yeah. the way they're playing their defense is probably the bigger story though, Tim um, allowing seven points per game in the last five weeks playing at a high level. But again, this is, kind of reminiscent of Ohio State last year, where Ohio State just totally obliterated the Big Ten. And then you get in that heavyweight fight, and it's a little bit different. And I do think before we, you know, I know we're going to hash out what could happen. Those four teams that are in the top four right now are the heavyweights. And anything can happen when an Alabama plays in Ohio State or a Clemson plays in Alabama. I mean, we've seen that. But as of now, what's on film and what we've seen on TV, Alabama's the best team in the country right now. But that can change.
1: Yeah, and here's the way I judge teams uh, anymore. I mean, I've always judged them like this, but it's more acute, in my opinion, this season is the uh, top four, in my opinion, in no particular order, Alabama, Notre Dame, both undefeated, uh, Clemson, uh, and then Ohio State, which is undefeated. Uh, all four of those teams can run and throw the ball. They can line up and gash you with, with their running game, uh, More so, more so Alabama, Clemson, and uh, Ohio State, I think, than Notre Dame. But still, Notre Dame has a nice offense. I would rate them number four of the offenses. But that's what you got to have. And, and the thing about it is Alabama hasn't really played a complete team, you know, uh, since, since that Ole Miss game, which, you know, Ole Miss just lit them up. And, and these teams all have the ability, including Florida this weekend, to throw the ball, which I do believe is Alabama's Achilles, just like it is any big team's Achilles because that's where the fewer defenders are. So, you know, that's just uh, football 101 from Tim Yours Truly, you can send donations uh, to my uh, uh, Medicare uh, fund. But uh, but I digress. Uh, That's why I like all four of these teams. They've all been able to play big-time offense when needed this year. And I think that's the big – I don't know, the big difference between them and Texas A&M, which has been kind of spotty with Kellen Mond and those guys. I mean, it's – I can look at teams and see just like, just like we were talking about, about the look test and I can see what I really like in those four teams, which is why I would have them my top four almost no matter what happens this weekend. But of course you can't do it that way. Right.
0: Right. I mean, obviously, you know, Alabama, I think they're the only team that can lose this weekend and still get in for sure. Yeah. I think Alabama's in regardless. And unless Florida somehow beats them by 30, which isn't going to happen, I think they're in, um, but all four of those teams have a lot of the same things. They've all had high-level quarterback play. I mean, Justin Fields, Ian Book, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence has been doing it for three years. I mean, all yeah. four of those teams have the quarterback. All four of those teams have some question on defense. You know, for Notre Dame, it's do you have the four- and five-star athletes that can compete? Now they answer that bell once. Can they do it twice? Yeah. Ohio State, back-end issues. Alabama had some issues, like you said, defending the pass, and Clemson's probably younger on D than they've ever been. Yep. So, to me, I mean, that adds up to when you get to the playoff, if it is these four teams, you know, two pretty good semifinals. You know, I, and I think Florida. There is a little bit of a sentiment: that if is Florida in, if they win, I maybe, but but again, no two loss team has made the playoff, and, and that's something that could get real interesting here over the next seven days.
1: Well, here's the, here's the problem for the committee. Number one, you know, we're, to, we're uh, recording this on, on Monday, drops on Tuesday. The college football playoff rankings come out Tuesday night, so we don't know exactly where Florida's going to plummet or will Florida plummet. <laughs> you know, the way the committee operates with their SEC, I, they do have an SEC bent, uh, or at least uh, gives the teams, uh, SEC teams, I think, the benefit of the doubt more often than not. But, uh, you know, if Florida does beat, the team that you've been saying for weeks is your number one team. You know, you've heard, uh, uh Gary Barta, just, you know, kind of rave about Alabama and what the committee thinks of Alabama. If Florida does beat Alabama, how, how is Florida not in it? I mean, you know, when you really break it down, I mean, they're, they, they lose to, uh, LSU. Yeah. I mean, you know, who throws a shoe, honestly, but, uh, but how, how are they not in it? But then again, if you're considering them, how is Texas a and not in it if that all happens? But then again, how do you drop Alabama all the way out? I mean, so what is your take if Florida beats Alabama this weekend? And by the way, Florida can beat Alabama this weekend because they can throw the ball as well as anybody. Kyle Trask and uh, that group of receivers, Trevon Grimes, who for a brief moment in his life was an Ohio State Buckeye. But uh, what do you do, uh, Bill Bender of Sporting News, with uh, – Alabama and Florida, if Florida pulls the upset this week.
0: Yeah, I I mean, it's going to be hard to leave them out in some scenarios. And I think there are a couple scenarios out there where they do get in. So the big question becomes, who does that impact the most? Who gets maybe taken out of the playoff as a result? And you would have to look at the ACC championship loser as being in a little bit of trouble because we've seen that matchup twice now. So if Clemson loses, they're out. I mean, at least in my opinion, they'd be out. I mean, two losses, uh, that kind of stuff there. I mean, they wouldn't have much of a claim if Notre Dame beat them a second time. Now, if Notre Dame loses and Florida wins, we're going to have a very interesting conversation with those two teams because we know of the SEC brand power, the value of an Alabama victory versus who Notre Dame beat up on the ACC, a two-loss team versus a one-loss team. And that message that you hear the committee, and you've heard them say it how many times, Tim, that they talk about the four very best teams. Yeah. And they'll, will parrot that line a lot. Um, if Florida beats Alabama and try to justify getting two sec teams in, I wouldn't like it personally, but nope. I think that's what would happen.
1: Yeah. But that, but like you said, I mean, how do you put Florida in and not have Alabama? I mean, how do you put Alabama in and not have Florida in and it's, uh, it's going to, you know, they're going to earn their hors d'oeuvres, you know, is there, if in fact they're all meeting together uh, again this weekend, they're going to earn their hors d'oeuvres that are delivered to the uh, meeting room. I, I do believe, but, uh, Uh, what is right, right this year, Bill? I mean, let's get back to that original Dabo Sweeney uh, comment. Uh, You know, what, what is, what is the right thing to do this, this year, in your opinion, has, has Ohio state shown you enough to make them one of the top four semi one of the top four teams in the
0: country? I mean, yeah, I, they have to me, I, I mean, people don't like it, but I think the number of games, by and large, isn't their fault. I mean, two of the three other teams had issues. Um, yeah. They looked good enough, and now if they would have slammed the door a little bit harder on Indiana, I don't think there'd be much of a debate. But the fact that they let Indiana back in the game a little bit, start asking questions about their back end, and then they they their strength of schedule. I mean, if we're truth be told, it's not that great. But you know, when you've won twenty consecutive Big Ten games, which they have, when you're a heavy favorite against Northwestern and and they've beat Northwestern by like 27 points over the last eight meetings. I think the single biggest shock of the weekend would be if Northwestern beat Ohio state. Now that would set off some really chaotic events for the playoff committee. And, and there's a reason why Ohio state's a 27 point favorite. They're that much better than everybody else in the big 10.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to keep you. You're a popular man uh, these days. Cause you're one of those guys who knows everything just doesn't, uh, well, except when you have conversations with your wife, I'm sure, just like me. Uh, Alabama wins. Uh, Clemson wins. Uh, Ohio State wins. What is, the, what is the final four, in your opinion, in that scenario?
0: Well, the score of the Notre Dame-Clemson game is going to be under scrutiny. Um, you know, I was told a story about sitting in the ACC championship game when Ohio State was playing Wisconsin and running up the score that year, and i said they're going to run this score right past TCU and Baylor. And that can happen. I mean, Notre Dame could lose by 28, and then, okay, do we let an a and or a Cincinnati or, or somebody like that in? Those discussions will happen. Uh, but as it stands, if Notre Dame keeps that within 14 to 17, which I think they will, I don't think they're going to win, you'll have Alabama, who's going to win, Ohio State is going to win. Notre Dame, four. So they'll put Alabama against Notre Dame, one and four. Probably put that at the Sugar Bowl. And then you get a Clemson-Ohio State rematch again. I don't know where they're going to put it if they have the Rose Bowl. But um, where the Rose Bowl will be is the big question. But I think you get what you want. Now, the dream scenario for the networks would be, and I don't know how they can work it, if they could get Alabama and Clemson in the semi and get Notre Dame and Ohio State in the semi you make just that much more in viewership. I mean, you know how how it is around here with Ohio State and Notre Dame. I mean, when when Notre Dame's right and they are, Ohio State Notre Dame chatter can reach the level of Ohio State Michigan chatter. It really can. Agreed. So,
1: so does the committee take that into account? do You believe? Do they do they take into it? that's you know, that's why I want them to go to eight eight teams just this year only because you could have it could have solved some of these conundrums that everybody's dealing with or just, justifications, I guess, is the better term of who should be in and who should be out. But do you think the committee takes into account uh, television draw?
0: Oh, no. That, but they there is something to do we have to watch Notre Dame-Clemson three times. Exactly. And, and, and I think there is – that's why I think even if they could probably justify the seating. To make sure those two are split, and especially if the Clemson Notre Dame game is pretty good, which I think it will be. Let me
1: interrupt you, but let me interrupt you because I've I've had this uh, same conversation with my buddy Awesome Ward. Uh, But you would still set up a scenario where they could play again. They could play a third time. I mean, you know, just to presuppose that they're you know one of them's going to lose in the semi and one's going to win, or vice versa, or both lose. You know, you're still setting up a scenario. Hey, we've seen this movie twice already this year. Or could we possibly see it a third time? Is that really fair to the populace? You know, I mean, is that really fair to, you know, giving somebody else a shot like a Cincinnati or, you know, but Texas A&M, they're sitting there in the uh, SEC West. They've already lost to Alabama, lost pretty big, but that was early in the year. I remember I was listening to that game when I came back from covering a uh, auto race at Indianapolis this year. And, uh, but is that right? You know, shouldn't, in this year, shouldn't you spread that, shouldn't you Shouldn't you open your eyes a little bit and maybe let in a Cincinnati or somebody like that? I mean, what what do you think about that?
2: Well,
0: I mean, that that again would have to – if Clemson blows out Notre Dame, that could happen. That could yeah. open up that door. And Clemson has won the last five ACC championship games by 24, yeah. I mean, 24 and a half points. That, this is the first ACC championship game in six years worth watching in a lot of ways. Agreed. So – I mean, that could happen. You you could open up the door for a Cincinnati. I still don't think Texas A&M has much of a playoff case, in my opinion, even if they beat Tennessee. I mean, every other team in the field right now can lose to Alabama by 28 points just as well as Texas A&M did. I, they don't have a conference championship. They're not playing for one. They haven't done enough to me to earn that, even though they may slip in. Who knows? Um, Cincinnati has. And, and, if Cincinnati is the team to me that's getting overshadowed, but in the big business nature of it all, if the committee's sitting there and Notre Dame loses by 13 to Clemson and Cincinnati's sitting there undefeated, whether it's right or wrong is irrelevant. They're going to pick Notre Dame.
1: Exactly. Because you don't know what you don't know. See, that's the thing. I mean, you can say, well, Cincinnati doesn't play a representative schedule, but you could also argue did Ohio State, except for Indiana, play a representative schedule, you know, of, of – Big-time power opponents this year. Yeah, power five by 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 title only, you know, in some respects when it comes to Michigan. Uh, well, they didn't play Michigan, but Penn State, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would – but you're right. It would be hard to leave a, a draw like Notre Dame sitting on the bench. You know, that's the other part of it, you know, in a, in a year when you definitely want eyeballs on those games. And uh, so let's get right back down to it, and I'll let you go. Who is your – coming out of Saturday again – what will be your final four, and who will, where will they play?
0: No, I, I think we've hashed it out, and I think, you know, Alabama wins. Ohio State wins. There's not much drama in those games. I think Clemson-Notre Dame, Notre Dame can win that game. They've done it once. They can do it again. But I think Clemson yeah. finds, finds a way, turns it up in the second half, wins by 10 to 14, and we get the scenario we talked about. We get Alabama and Clemson – or Alabama and Notre Dame – which they, last time they met in 12, that didn't go so well for the Irish. And then you get a, you know, I think this works out for Ohio state the best way possible because before COVID-19 the biggest talking point around Columbus and Ohio state football was missing an opportunity to beat Clemson, you know, rather it was the refs, the bad calls, the drop touchdown pass, the letting Clemson take the ball, whatever the reasons were. Clemson won the football game. Okay. So uh getting that rematch against clemson get another chance to see justin fields and trevor lawrence go at it that works out because Dabo. other than you know you can make a case that Dabo's is he public enemy 1b in columbus in some ways the way that he a beats the buckeyes and b isn't afraid to tweak them either i mean you tell me i'd yeah, say he's I mean, up there
1: i think he's right there he might be 1a i mean when you get right down to it uh uh, because I'm not sure who 1A would be at this point, if you follow my, you
2: know. Oh, it's always,
1: hard.
0: it's always whoever's coaching well, Michigan. That, yeah, you know, there. but, so. But, you know,
1: two, two uh, 17 and two over the last 19 years, you know, it's uh, kind of changed that a little bit, you know. Uh, you're right. It might be 1A again next year, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Dabo went and opened his big mouth, you know, and, and now, you know, uh, basically challenged, so is Sankey to a certain extent, so, Now they've got to like kind of back it up. But uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think, you know, Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade, for example, returned to Ohio State. And I think one of the thoughts in their mind, yeah, they wanted to play against Michigan again. They wanted to get, they wanted another shot at the college football national championship. And they wanted another shot at Clemson, you do believe. And that may may be the way it works out. So uh, yeah, I think that would be the dream matchup. You know, I think, I think in a lot of people's eyes, you know, take care of this, and then go for a national championship. But uh, we'll see. Hey, last thing, does, does, does Cincinnati deserve to be in the conversation more seriously than it is?
0: Yes. I mean, but I'm a, you know, I'm a Mac grad. So yeah. I I had this argument with Mike DeCoursey last week. I said if, since, if they're not going to let Cincinnati in and they're not going to seriously entertain a team that's beat ranked teams, that's played within the confines of their schedule, that's looked pretty good doing it, um yeah group five should just do their own playoff and there are a million there's million literally millions of reasons why they won't in terms of TV deals but I told them I mean as a Mac graduate at some point this is the only sport where 60 plus teams have zero shot to win a national championship before you even get started and I'm not yeah. talking about the power five schools they can't do it anyway I'm talking about those group five schools there's no chance so to me it makes more sense and I I I would rather watch my alma mater, Ohio University, instead of Spencer will co-sign this, and instead of the Potato Bowl, the Bahamas Bowl, the you dot-com know, bowl, whatever they come up with. I'd rather, if they won the MAC, which they haven't done since 68, I'd rather yeah. watch them in the Final Four against San Jose State, Cincy, and Coastal and get yeah. a trophy and get something that's other than the Camellia Bowl for it. Now, the novelty of that would wear off after a few years, I understand that. But I said, you know, the, the best way around it is if one of those teams were invited to the big playoff they can decline the group of five playoff. it's an easy fix plus you'd get more ratings out of those other games
1: oh I agree 100 percent and you know like you just said yeah the the newness would wear off and stuff but then you'd come up with something else you know we <clears throat> way back when I was growing up there was no BCS you know and the college football what was it the uh, I forgot the uh, the name of the football coalition came along and then the uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, BCS came along and got big 10 and PAC 12 involved. And now you have a 14 playoff. And, uh, you know, if we're not headed to an 18 playoff, then I think you're right. I think it would behoove everyone to kind of like make that little split and give people something to play for. And then when that wears off, you know, uh, move on to an 18 playoff in the power five, include one of those teams, blah, blah, you know, everything evolves for a reason. The main thing is to attract people because this is the commercial enterprise. You know, you want to keep attracting eyeballs to the TV and Fannie's to the seats, and, you know, we'll see where it goes. But you're right. I agree with your I agree with your assessment of the Final Four, uh, the way it's going to come out, uh, and, uh, and you know, because I could see why it would make sense to put Ohio State in a Rose Bowl against a Clemson and uh, to put Alabama against Notre Dame, justify keeping Notre Dame in there with one loss, if, in fact, Clemson beats Notre Dame. But we'll see how it comes out, because it, one thing we've learned uh, this year more than any other don't take for granted what you think you're going to see. Just sit back and enjoy
0: it, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's one day at a time. It's one game at a time, and it's like everything else. I mean, as we get into basketball season, it's going to be the same way. You know, I've started to turn an eye towards some Big Ten basketball, and it's been cool to see because you're just watching games. So it, it is. I think it's going to be a fun playoff, I, you know, of all the crazy things that have happened this year, we're probably going to get a familiar conclusion. It's going to be Alabama versus either Clemson or Ohio state or or maybe Notre Dame in the college football championship game. And, uh, probably the most normal thing in the world would be an Alabama national championship, unfortunately with Nick Saban, but, um, Clemson and Ohio state and Notre Dame have something to say about that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that playoff in general, because I think they've been the four best teams from what I've seen. And I know Ohio state has the small sample, but, um, there's no reason why they can't play with those teams.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Bender, one of my favorite people. Uh, for Sporting News, SportingNews.com, coming to you live on video, video uh, recording from Picktown, known as Pickerington, Ohio. Bill Bender, thanks for joining the Tim A podcast again, my man. I owe you breakfast again. Uh,
0: uh, no problem, but uh, thanks for having me on. As always, you can check out our content at SportingNews.com. You guys are always great to me, so I uh, hope you're staying safe, staying well, and uh, we can do this again soon.
1: You got it, and we'll be right back with Awesome Ward, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. Bill Bender, one of my favorite people. I think I've said that four times already, right? Awesome. But, uh, no, he he has insight on the national scene. You know, a lot of people out there conjecturing what could happen. But real quick, let's just put it this way. Ohio State takes care of Northwestern. Alabama takes care of Florida. Uh, Notre Dame barely – or, excuse me, Clemson barely beats Notre Dame. What's your final
2: four hookups? Which scenario is this? Notre Dame barely beats Clemson? No, no.
1: Clemson barely beats Notre Dame, and then Ohio State and Alabama hold sway.
2: Yeah, uh, then Alabama – let's see. I think that Ohio State's going to move up to number three no matter what scenario. So So they can uh, put them in the Rose Bowl, right? Yeah. Well, and I don't know where the Rose Bowl's going to be played. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I I expect that the winner in the ACC championship game will play Ohio State. in the Rose Bowl, uh, even if that's name only and not the specific stadium, I think that's the scenario. That there's, I just can't see, well, Florida is not not anywhere near good enough to challenge Alabama. I think I view that the same way, you know, and Bill wrote this in his breakdown in Sporting News, that there's really yeah. no point in breaking down these scenarios with a Florida upset or a Northwestern upset. They just, they're almost uh, impossible to, to think about happening in real life. Uh, Alabama will be the number one seed. I think that you know the winner of the ACC game will be the number two. If Clemson loses, I think that's the most interesting one because you know both of their losses will be to Notre Dame. Two lost teams do not, as Ohio State can attest from a couple of years ago, get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I'd be interested to see who the number four seed against Alabama is because I don't believe that Texas A&M is deserving, but somebody has to be the four seed. Someone's going to have to play in that game. I think that's the only one that's truly interesting. Is if Notre Dame, um, you know, handles. Clemson twice, and this time with Trevor Lawrence, what that would mean for Clemson and, and, and likely missing the field.
1: Well, what bothers me is the way the committee, and ladies and gentlemen, the uh, the newest rankings will come out basically later on tonight. We're recording this. This drops on a Tuesday morning uh, at our my podcast. But uh, it, they moved. Iowa State up to number seven last, I think, if I remember correctly, number seven last week ahead of UC. And Iowa State's got two losses, and are they trying to set people up here? Uh, maybe there could be a two-loss team in there, but it might be Iowa State out of the Big Twelve, uh, they, you know, because they're playing for the Big Twelve championship this week against Oklahoma. Yeah, you know, stranger things have happened, haven't they?
2: Yeah, I really think that they, <laughs> they, if they don't, if they didn't regret that already on Tuesday when that came out, and you look at the yeah. loss that they had to Louisiana. Um, You know, putting them ahead of Cincinnati with a chance to stay undefeated uh, this week and get another top 25 win over Tulsa, Um, it it didn't do them any good, I think, to move Iowa State ahead unless they were really angling down the road, which doesn't make a lot of sense because they say they don't project forward. Um, You know, I don't know why they would be trying to um, put credibility on a Big 12 championship game that wasn't going to be there on its own merits. And nobody nobody believes that the Big Twelve should be in the playoff with both Iowa State and Oklahoma having lost twice. That they've been ruled out for a while with good reason. They are not one of the top four teams in the country. Um, something's going on. Yeah. Something's going on there. I mean I, 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 it. I yeah, I mean,
1: I you know, personally, it wouldn't bother me to see the big twelve champion in in the playoff. And uh, that that way you'd have four that way you'd have four power five champions in the, well yeah, four, four power five champions in the playoff. That would that'd be okay, wouldn't it?
2: Well, In this weird year? I think that USC has clearly not looked like a top four team in their wins, but they are also undefeated. Uh, and Ryan Day, Ryan Day made this point himself on Sunday, talking about how weird it is to measure style points and the way that games work and, you know, that this is the only sport in the world where you're trying to – you're not counting solely wins and losses. You're trying to parse – how a team won and how effective it was in doing so. Um, you know, we are those of us who have covered college football or followed college football for our whole lives know that that's part of the deal. You know, the beauty pageant and the comparisons of uneven schedules. I, I, I don't believe that USC could beat anybody in the top four. I'm not sure they can beat anybody in the top 10. But if they're undefeated and win the Pac-12, I would much rather personally see that team get the benefit of the doubt ahead of two losses Big 12 champion, especially if it's Iowa State, given that one uh, really kind of head-scratching loss to Louisiana that's on there by 17 points early in the year. Um, Agreed. That's Agreed. Just, that's just me.
1: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think the, uh, uh, with, this, with this late start, the, the Pac-12 has gotten short shrift in this thing, and especially an undefeated USC, that would be a draw. That would be a draw. I mean, whether they're deserving or not, that would be a draw. Hey, let's get uh, to the game that matters for Ohio State. I know everybody is just uh, already going, Well, you know, like you just said about that, uh, Florida has no chance against Alabama. Florida does have a chance against Alabama because he can throw the ball. And if you can throw the ball, you've got a shot against Alabama. Uh, Florida's problem is can they stop Alabama? But if you can make it a shootout, hey, anything can happen in a shootout if it gets to the fourth quarter. Uh, that's just my take on that. Yeah, the big thing here is to write off uh, Northwestern. You know, Ohio State, the last I looked – was at least a three-touchdown favorite, maybe moving closer to four. Isn't that correct,
2: Austin? Yeah, it opened at 20, and that was always destined to go up, especially like they opened the betting for that on Thursday or Friday. The the matchup is confirmed. And then you got to watch Northwestern struggle for a half with Illinois and really ugly football. Um, So that will go up. Alabama's will go up uh, because of what you saw. You're talking about Florida being able to throw the football. I think some of this Kyle Trask hype has got a little bit out of control where people were anointing him as the Heisman favorite. And if you can't throw the football on LSU or avoid costly turnovers the way that he had in that game, this particular LSU defense with, without really any of their top uh, cornerbacks on the field, yeah. um, I mean, good luck. Alabama's players may have you know, had some games where they got gashed, most notably Ole Miss, but I would be stunned if they had problems defending Trask in in Florida on Saturday. Yeah, he did yeah, he threw for he threw two interceptions. He also threw t- two touchdown
1: passes and threw for 424 yards. So his problem was the turnovers. Well, that's still, what Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm with you 150%. I think Mac Jones and and Devontae Smith and those guys Alabama will hold sway. Uh but uh but I just think you whenever you can throw the ball, you have a puncher's chance against anybody. That's why when I look at uh Northwestern uh, Peyton Ramsey, I think, is putting uh, put new life like you're talking about what's the difference between Northwestern this year compared to last year. Last year they didn't have a quarterback. <laughs> you know, they've got a guy who's at least has played, he's played against Ohio State, has shown as as Urban Meyer said, I'm uh, Urban Meyer, Ryan Day said, you know, he's got that it factor about him. I mean he's a leader. You can see that he understands the game, he understands not to be uh sloppy with the ball, et cetera. Uh, so they've got a they've got a uh what do you want to call it, a yeoman's a yeoman's offense, but their defense, I think, is credible. I mean, their defense, as I, as I brought it up with Ryan, you know, uh, Mike Hankwitz, their, their uh, noted uh, defensive coordinator, he puts solid, sound defenses on the field. Like I said to Ryan, you've got to root them out of there almost, you know, to uh, but meaning they're going to be in the right place at the right time. Now you've got to make a play or block them out of the way. And uh, we'll see how that goes because, you know, that, that game two years ago, that was an interesting game. Uh, for the Big Ten Championship, they did sort of slow down the Ohio State big-time rolling offense, if you remember correctly.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've they played a good – I'm mainly remembering last year's 52-3 to three game. That's the one that sticks in my mind. But certainly that was competitive two years ago. I, Ohio State, I'm trying to remember, did they wind up with 45 in that game? Um, was it? 45-28 or something like that. It was, it was grudging, but,
1: but, but the yards were grudging. I mean, it was, it was an interesting game because Ohio State obviously didn't have a, the, the defense it had a year ago back in uh, 2018 and all kinds of things. But the bottom line is, I mean, you – yeah, I mean, I think Ohio State being a three-and-a-half, four-touchdown favorite is accurate. But, yeah. you know, turnover here, turnover there. I mean, they were big, big favorites over Rutgers, and you saw what happened. Uh, they were 30, up 35-7 against the Indiana, and you saw what happened. And I know I'm not equating any of those teams, but if you have a team that doesn't beat itself uh, going against a team that maybe be looking ahead, I don't see Ohio State looking ahead, but, yeah. you know, there's always that possibility, right? Uh, you could have a game on Saturday. I personally believe Ohio State's going to take care of business. Everybody keeps saying, well, are they going to do like 59 to nothing, like they did in 14 to leave no doubt they should be in? I said, anytime you go in trying to duplicate history, you're, you're, you're doomed in yeah. the sense of you're not going to to maybe do that. But what they need to do is just play that solid, no doubt about it, dominant game. You agree with me on that, don't you, Awesome.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, the point is that you know, Northwestern can put together really solid game plans and be fundamentally sound. Eventually the talent disparity wins out. It was yeah it was 45 points in that championship game two years ago. It was 52 last year. So 97 points in the last two meetings that the Buckeyes have scored against Northwestern. Um, you know, it, your point is, is well taken. It's not easy. Northwestern doesn't lay down. Uh, you know, they're not going to typically blow a lot of assignments. So you have to win with your superior talent if you're the Buckeyes. And that's what they've done the last couple of times. They have great respect for Pat Fitzgerald uh, and that coaching staff. They do not take Northwestern lightly, which I think is why you saw such a dominant effort in that first half last year uh, for the Buckeyes. And they were even a little bit shorthanded uh, in that game. I believe, you know, Nicholas Petit Frere kind of a surprise starter in that one if i try if i remember correctly yeah, um, yeah. but yeah i mean that's uh northwestern you line up the rosters there's not you're, you're not going to find many people there that would start for ohio state and that was the same case in michigan state a couple weeks ago it's a case for most of the big 10 considering how well ohio state's recruited but um you know these are this is a championship game it's a coach that'll have them ready you talked about this a number of times, Pat Fitzgerald will look anywhere and everywhere for motivation to get his guys ready. Um, now, he'd need yeah. a lot of it, I think, and a lot of bounces to go his way to, to ups, upset the Buckeyes. But, um, you know, it's, uh, we'll see what happens. Peyton Ramsey does have a 300 yard passing day already in his career against Ohio State. So uh, we'll see if that Buckeyes secondary is ready. Hey, Illinois linebacker,
1: uh, Milo or Milo, Milo Eifler, you know, basically referred to uh, Northwestern as their little brother. You know, last week, and uh, after the game, after that game on Saturday, Fitzgerald Fitzgerald said, uh, "If anybody would like to say anything derogatory to our players, please do so uh, repeatedly this week. <laughs> I would greatly appreciate the motivation." I would tell you that that was not taken very uh, kindly in our locker room. <laughs> uh, we've already heard from uh, Jonathan Cooper as we recorded. we already heard from Jonathan Cooper and Justin Fields. They were quite polite. Uh, they Gave Northwestern the benefit of the doubt in our interviews this week. So did Ryan Bay. But uh, that's the second time in in what uh, three games that Fitzgerald is called on the derogate you know the uh, basically demeaning card to motivate his players. Too bad Michigan State didn't say something bad about him, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, but it was, you know the fighting Joey Galloways and whatever he called him. You know after that the the, the big win earlier, but uh, I guess Wisconsin, but. But the bottom line is, yeah, this is a a puzzling – let me throw this out there. Northwestern beat Iowa. Would Ohio State be getting even more of a pump this week if it was playing Iowa instead of Northwestern? Do you believe
2: in the way – based on the way Iowa is playing uh, the last few games? I do. And, you know, they had their – this is another part of the way that college football works. Iowa had their losses early, and now they are, I would say, clearly playing – uh, the best football of any team in the West and you know you it's a reminder of why you win every single one and why going undefeated is so important in this league why you get the benefit of the doubt uh, with a rule change for a rule that was only instituted two months ago if you're undefeated and you have a head-to-head tiebreaker Iowa didn't have that you know they're going to yeah. go back and kick themselves for the way they played in the first two weeks um, but and it's also just the way that things work you know Northwestern was a three and nine program they're They aren't a historical winner, and even if Iowa doesn't really qualify as a a major powerhouse program, there's a lot more brand recognition for them. Uh, You know, who knows? I I think the perception would be that that game meant more, and I think people, I I wouldn't be surprised on Tuesday night if uh, Iowa winds up uh, ranked ahead of Northwestern in the selection committee rankings. Uh, You know, we'll see what they're thinking there, but they've been impressive tough sound i think that that would have been a better matchup for ohio state uh, in terms of uh, a resume booster but uh, you know like we talked about earlier ohio state really doesn't even need that because they're still dramatically better on paper than iowa or anyone else in the big ten
1: yeah and, and you know as i like to say well you know iowa didn't get it done when it had a chance against northwestern they've always had trouble with northwestern and i would argue you know obviously indiana didn't get it done against ohio state you know so I think the right two teams are playing for the Big Ten Championship. You know, and, and uh, another thing uh, that Fitzgerald said uh, about Ohio State, he kind of went Lou Holtz, on, you know, a little bit, and he goes, they're a top four team. If I had a vote, I'd vote them number two. They're a, com- they're a complete football team, talking about Ohio State. And, uh, obviously, the Ohio State has had some question marks about his defense uh, until uh, the last time we got to see them play against Michigan State, and I thought with the exception of about four or five plays in that game, they shut Michigan State down. Michigan State went with their backup uh, quarterback and kind of threw a, like a curveball at Ohio State. And I didn't think the Buckeyes, re, you know, uh, reacted uh, as quickly as they should have there. But eventually they did shut him down too. But uh, what's your sense? Is this, is this Ohio State team – have we seen enough of this Ohio State team to say that they should be playing their best game on Saturday against Northwestern? I mean, they get their three – looks like they're going to get their three offensive line starters back. Looks like Duff Borland's going to be back. Uh, what is your
2: take on that? Awesome. Yeah, it's it's an interesting debate about you know whether Ohio State benefits from having you know, they're, they're, other than COVID issues they haven't had to deal with a bunch of injuries because they haven't played as many games so maybe they're fresh maybe they'll be full strength for this postseason run where other teams might not be but you know the trade-off for that is they've really not got you know the game reps and experience this year that you would know, I mean they're they're less than half of a full schedule. Uh, young guys that haven't played, even even guys that are starters like Seven Banks or, or Marcus Hooker, when we talk about these secondary concerns, they haven't had game opportunities to work all this out. And I think that right. that that's a big deal. Because um, you look at this, I was thinking about, you know, somebody like Trey Sermon, and Spencer had this in a story last week that his yards per game have gone up in all five games. And, and that was capped with the explosive runs against Michigan State. You just you get better you get more comfortable you get you know as those reps come and that's just one position in one guy does the offensive line for Ohio State if it's fully healthy does it need those reps probably not those are those guys all know what they're doing but you know Harry Miller this is his first year as a starter same for Nicholas Petit Frere those guys would be you know playing at an even higher level you would assume if they got to go through a full year and and dominate so um, I I don't mean to be playing at both sides or straddling the fence but I really think that you could go either way and it's it's truly a mixed bag on on how this impacts Ohio State because I don't think that they have reached their potential because they haven't had an opportunity to.
1: Yeah, it, they didn't even get spring football, you know, to get some of those things ironed out in their defensive secondary. That's, you know, it's you have to learn you, you know, I've seen this at, you know time in memoriam covering Ohio State as long as I have. I mean, you know, the best some of the better cornerbacks you've seen play at Ohio State got burned a lot early, yep. you know, in their careers till they moved moved on and got that experience and stuff. You have to know what you can and can't do, what you can and can't get away with. You know, I think I thought Jonathan Cooper the other day uh, summed it up pretty well. You know, there's a big difference as much as you like to go iron sharp sharpens iron in practices, one you know ones against ones, etc. There's a big difference in between going against your friend across the line from you who, you know, sees you every day, and he's not going to – he doesn't have that foaming at the mouth kind of approach to you, you know, as opposed to going against a, a guy who may a of slightly lesser ability but is no friend of yours and and wants to take your – you know, as in essence, wants to take your wallet, you know. I mean, there's a big difference between game reps and uh, practice reps no matter who you're going against. I, I agree with that 100%, and that's the luxury that this team has not had. But with that said – I think you've seen, if you watch Seven Banks play, I think you've seen him improve as this season's gone along. I think Sean Wade played very well the, the last time you saw him out against Michigan State. Uh, I thought Marcus Hooker played his most uh, disciplined game yet at safety. Those are big, big uh, changes or uh, improvements for this Ohio State defense. And we saw what getting uh, Baron Browning in there into the middle even wrote about it, you know, just – the fact how disciplined he played in that game with Justin Hilliard stepping into the full-time role at that outside linebacker spot. Uh, Those were huge moments, not just for those players, but for this team, I do believe. And I think there's a good chance you're going to see their best game yet on Saturday night – or Saturday, excuse me, Saturday at high noon at Lucas Oil Stadium. You know, uh, that brings up another thing before we go here. I asked uh, Jonathan Cooper uh, at the end of the teleconference the other day, I said. You know, you guys, you guys are playing for your fourth straight Big Ten championship. It's crazy, uh, and this, these are championships won on the field in a playoff setting, which means a Big Ten championship game. And uh, and I said, what? Why is Ohio State playing for a fourth Big Ten championship? All the things that have happened this year, all the things that have happened the last the previous three years. What what's the common denominator there? And he brought the, the term brotherhood. And I I agree with him 100%. Kind of gave me goosebumps because these guys have found a way. The captains took control of this team. You know, Justin Fields, Jonathan Cooper, uh, those guys. They took control of this team when when times were darkest. When it looked like they weren't gonna, you know, have a season. When spring got put off and things like that, they they kept fighting for their season, especially Justin Fields and Jonathan Cooper. And uh, you. I don't know if you agree or not, Posture by the way, Posture because you got a new mattress today. But uh, but I don't know if you agree or not, Awesome. Uh, uh, this is a special team under its un, unto its own, right?
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, it's that brotherhood, it's that mentality when it combines with a supremely talented group of people. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, that, that does sort of go without saying. But the reason that there, I believe there's more validity to talking about culture, talking about brotherhood when it comes to the Buckeyes. Well, why doesn't that work for someone like Georgia? Uh, what, you know, every year that's a top five recruiting class and top five roster. Well, you're not seeing them even, you know, win one championship, let alone, let alone four in a row. Um, why is that? Penn State's not that far removed in terms of talent, at least in the Big Ten they're the closest. Why, you know, why are they, you know, struggling to get over the hump? Um well, you see a ton of their players entering entering the transfer portal and uh, you have puzzling decisions from the coaching staff and misalignment and people that don't seem to want to be part of that. Ohio State hasn't had that issue. Yes, there are occasionally players that leave but then it doesn't work out and it's not a good fit for them. But I, you've never seen 10 or 12 players at one time trying to leave Ohio State or, um, you know, Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis were frustrated and ready to opt out. Um, they waited about as long as possible, where other places in the Big Ten, you saw that happening at the first available opportunity because they, you know, they yeah. weren't willing to stick around for that. I think you look at all these things and it's hard to ever quantify what that means, but there's plenty of evidence for how it shows up on the field based on the actions and results.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, this alignment, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, is, is alive and kicking and is quite real. And uh, when you empower, uh, when you empower your players like Urban Meyer did, and uh, Ryan Day has followed in pursuit, followed in the same suit uh, of of being the leaders of your team. Take take ownership of your team. It just pays off for you in the long run. And uh, we'll see if it pays off in a fourth straight uh, Big Ten championship. Uh, Those have become kind of like gold pants here, right? Um, You know, uh, maybe not worth as much as they. Used to be uh, because there's so many in circulation. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but we'll see. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week. Uh, Awesome. You know, as Austin Ward, I gave him his new nickname, "Posturpedic." today. That's an inside joke, but I don't care. I like it. Uh, It's great when you have a lot of uh, nicknames. I do believe it means people have an endearment for you. He's also my sous chef, as you well know, as we chop up things and, and give you this this Booyah base every week. Uh, But until next week, uh, awesome. Uh, And for all you fans out there, uh, the Big Ten Championship is on the line. We'll see you then.
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty,
1: and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com.